Welcome home. Welcome home both to everyone in the room and to people online as well. Hopefully this week you'll have received uh, an email from us as the church organization uh, with a financial update, just giving you a, a few brief details. And if you didn't receive it, it probably means that either your email address is wrong or it hasn't been updated, or you're not on our database, or the other thing I found out is if you have a SaskTel email. They don't seem to work well with people. Uh, so why don't you make sure that you are updated on our database so that we can actually keep in touch with you and, and keep you informed of what's going on in the life of the church. And uh, hopefully for those of you that got the financial update, we wanted it to be fairly brief as we start out, not too much information to overload you, but just to give you an idea of what's going on, and we're going to develop that over the next year or so into something that's regular, as I said, and uh, informative as well. Today, today, and I, I, I have to apologize to the team, the the uh, AV team, because today's going to be slightly different from what I planned and what I'd outlined and prepared for this week. So it's, uh, I, like, I like snowboarding and I like going off-piste occasionally. And so today, if you don't mind, is a bit, a bit of off-piste, but the thought is pretty much the same as what I've wanted to give. But when I was preparing... I just got through and I spent, like everyone that preaches here and everywhere else, I guess, we spend a lot of time thinking about what we want to say, how we want to say it, how it could be taken by different groups of people, how to speak across to the church, yet still speaking to the one as well. I came to yesterday and I just thought, it doesn't feel right. It feels clunky. It feels like I'm just giving some points to bring a message. And I didn't want that. That's not what I, how I want to preach. I actually want to preach something that's on my heart. So I'm going to give it a go and see what happens. Are you going to stay with me? Is that okay? Thank you very much. Why don't you jump to your feet? Because we're going to pray. I feel quite nervous about today. And I, I've actually felt quite nervous about this series. But today, and I don't know why, I've prepared... I know I've done, I'm sort of going slightly off piste and off my notes a bit, but I felt nervous. And so I want to pray that I speak with authority, but I also pray that I, I want to pray us to pray together that we receive what God wants us to hear. Is that okay? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we are your house, we are your plan A as the church. I thank you for the people in this room and for the people online. And I pray, God, that we will hear what you want to say to us. I pray that our hearts and minds will be open to what you want to say to us. I pray that you'll drop things in people's hearts that they need to hear right at this moment. I pray that we as a church will move forward as one in this year. Not divided, not divisive. Not the body working against each other, but we will move forward with your plan for who we are. We will move forward on course with what you want to say to us and the way that you want us to work and outwork your mission. I pray that I will speak with authority and confidence that you have given me. That I will speak with love. That I will speak your word to your people at the right time. In the name of Jesus, amen. Why don't you grab your seats? Have you ever got to the end of a day and thought, I didn't quite get done what I wanted to do? You started off with really good intentions. You know, you want, you're going to eat healthily. You're going to drink two liters of water. You're going to take some exercise. You were going to get that assignment done. You're going to do the laundry, and then you're going to spend some time reading your Bible or, or even that book that you're in the middle of, and then suddenly it's 9 p.m., 
and you've eaten Tim Hortons, you've consumed a bathtub full of coffee, you've binge-watched Downton Abbey, Friends, and SpongeBob, yep, just because it was on, you've read, but what you read was just your replies that you've had on Instagram, but you have done the washing up. Because we all know that washing up, when you have an assignment to do, is much, much, much more important than your deadline for work or for college. No? Me neither. Have you noticed how many distractions that we have in our day, in our week, in our life? You know, there are are workplace tools to minimize distractions. But there is a process that distraction is a process of interrupting attention from our primary goal or primary interest. And they can be internal distractions, what's going on inside of us, whether it's our thinking process or whatever, or external, things like the TV, things like internet, all of that stuff, the kids, the dog, the goldfish, they're all really, really important. And as, a, as an older person, I can, I can look at younger people and say, well, that's, that's their issue. You know, the TV, the internet, that's all their stuff. Phones, social media, stress, comparison. That's, that's all the stuff that our young people have to deal with. But it's not. We all deal with that stuff. There's a lot of psychological studies and business studies on how to deal with interruptions and manage it. And I'm not going to go into any of those. That's, that's not my job to do that. That's yours and whatever workplace tools that you have. But there are distractions for church. There are distractions for the body of Jesus Christ. And now more than ever, we seem to be involved in them. Things that distract us from our course, from our goal from our primary interest. Because if we don't get or understand what our distractions are, if we don't stay steady on our course, we'll get to the end of the day, the week, the month, the year, the decade. And we'll realize that we've drifted, that we've gone off course, or we've actually come to a complete standstill. So church... We need to steady our course. We need to steady our course, but we also need to know what is our course. What is our primary interest? Because we get told so many different things that we should be doing. And and often they are good things, good programs, good courses, good stuff that we do. But what is our primary course? Where should we be heading? Last week, we looked at steady our ship, how to live in community with each other. The first week of this steady series, we looked at steadying our hearts, having internal harmony. And this week, we're looking at steadying our course, looking at the purpose of the church, staying on course and steadying our relationship, not just my relationship, but the church's relationship with our creator. You know, and we search for answers, don't we? The big answers to life, the origins. Where do we, where do we come from? Meaning. Why are we here? Connection. Who am I doing life with? Who, who are the people that I, we can outwork our purpose and meaning with, and how do I live well with them? And then destiny. Where are we going? They are essentially the four big questions that we have in life. So let me talk about the church. Because it's good to be reminded every now and then why we, the church, exist. The origin of the church. Jesus, before the church really was even formed, he said, I will build my church. He was setting, setting the, I guess, how church was going to be done, but his involvement and priority for the church. 
But the church was breathed into life by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, we, we read that they were together in one room. The, the early disciples, not just the 12, but a larger group of people. And they were in, together in one room. Not just a geographical location, but a heart location. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit breathed life into the bare bones of the church. The church was loved into being, breathed into being by the Holy Spirit, but loved into being by Jesus. The meaning and and purpose of the church, there are many, many different offshoots of the meaning and purpose, but essentially we are here to bring the good news of Jesus to the lost. To grow healthy disciples. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And really this is where I want us to get some thoughts from. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, then we'll be no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become In every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, that there is our course. That's our meaning and purpose. That's what we're called to do, to be built up to speak the truth, act the truth in love so that we become mature, so that we're not thrown off course by everything that comes our way. Let me read it again in in the message version because I love one of the pictures that the message version gives here. Filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher to to train Christians in skilled servant work working within Christ's body, the church. I love this. Until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other. Whenever, that, whenever I read that, I get the picture of a speed skater. Now, we're in Canada. When, I, when I've talked about this in England, I've had to show a video of a speed skater because most people are going, what? What does that mean? But we're in Canada. We all should all know what a speed skater is. There is a beauty in watching them speed across the ice as they, as they move rhythmically, as they move gracefully. See, that is how we should be. Graceful, moving rhythmically and easily. Yeah, I know that there's injury and all sorts of stuff that happens at times and we get a bit ugly and a bit burnt and a bit grouchy and... But we need to come back to that place where we're moving rhythmically and easily with each other. Efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Fully mature adults. Fully developed within and without. Fully alive like Christ. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up. To know the whole truth and tell it in love. Like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. See, we're called to grow up. And over many years, and particularly now, what we see so often is immature children fighting It's my toy. No, it's mine. No, I'm not going to share with you. And actually God is calling us to grow up. 
Yes, we have to be childlike, not childish. There's a big difference between childlike and childish. See, childlike is, is dependent. Childlike is, is inquisitive, it's curious. Childlike is, is coming to our parents, dependent on them, love, knowing that we have full assurance. Childish is fighting over our toys. Childish is selfishness. Childish is, it's mine, I want it. God is calling us to grow up, to be childlike, not childish. So we have meaning and purpose. We have origin as the church, but we have connection. So Jesus said, love God, love people. Be in right relationship with Father God but also be in right relationship with each other. We are called to love each other like Jesus did. That, that in itself, if we had no other purpose, no other thoughts, we could spend the rest of our lives trying to outwork that. Trying to out, out, outwork that within the life of our church. We could teach on that as pastors and teachers for the rest of our lives and still not come to the fullness of just that little phrase. Love each other like Jesus did. Imagine that. Imagine it two ways, if you will. Firstly, I want you to imagine being loved like that. Being in a church where that happens, being in a church where we are loved sacrificially, being in a church where we are loved to the full extent, where we accept it, being in a church where we are known and know. But being in a church where we have the opportunity to love sacrificially. Being in a church where we outwork that love that Christ has poured into us. See, we're not just trying to squeeze out another bit of love for that really unlovable person that sat the other side of the room that we can't talk to anymore. We're actually coming back to Jesus and saying Jesus that love with which you loved me show me it more so that I can love others allow me to experience your love in a way that I've never experienced it before so not just so that it stays in here but so that I can love that person Allow me to know your love in a way that enables me to love that other person in the same way. So if we simply outwork that, imagine what a church that would be. Imagine that. We want to be in right relationship with God, but we want to be in right relationship with each other. And I know I keep coming back to this, and you're probably sick of me talking about this, but you see, we can't get away from the fact that recently, almost the definition of Christianity has been what we or our response to vaccines. It has been. Both sides of a debate, argument, screaming match. It's been, well, you can't be a Christian if you do that. You can't be a Christian if you do that. I don't read that in the Word of God. What I read is, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus said, by your love for one another, shall all men know that you are my disciples. He didn't say anything about our response to vaccines he said everything about our response to each other 
Now, some of you are saying, well, that's not me. But how do you respond to the vaccinated? How do you respond to the unvaccinated? Is it with the love of Jesus? It's gone very quiet. See, you can make, we can make, I can make all sorts of excuses in my head right at this moment, and some of you are. But what about? But what about? But what about what the Bible says? See, we need to steady our course. And our course is to love each other like Jesus did. By your love for one another shall all men know that you are my disciples. We cannot be just in the same room together. We are not just in the same room together. We're not even just online together. We are connected through Jesus for eternity. And what happens now will call out through eternity. So we have an origin, we have a meaning and purpose, we have a connection, but we also have a destiny as the church. Where are we headed? The Bible tells us about a new heaven and a new earth that's going to come. People are telling us it's going to happen tomorrow, the next day. Who knows? We've been saying that for 2,000 years, and it may happen. But let me tell you, if anyone tells you a date, they've gone against the word of God because Jesus said no one knows the date. I'll only know it when the Father tells me. We may be in the last days, but we don't know. But we do have a destiny. You see, the church has not become obsolete in God's plan. She is still front and center. Christ's intention for the world is still being outworked through the church. In our brokenness, in our misfits. She is still front and center. We have a destiny. But what about us at Circle? We started nearly a hundred years ago with a church so small that Pastor Brooks, one of our very first and early pastors, he said this, when you leaned over the pulpit, you could scratch the back wall. See, that was, that was our start. You look around in the building itself, you can't do that now. But that's what Pastor Brooks said in the very early days of our church here at Circle. It's grown, it's changed, it's morphed. There's been different leaders, different people throughout that time. But we still want to be a church that serves the area of Canada that God has placed on our hearts and that we love. When Pastor Walter Bolt took over the church, he defined the course of the church simply as this, evangelism and discipleship. I don't know if you knew that. Evangelism and discipleship. You see, all across the world, the Western world, there's been this tension, and not tension, probably an argument. Are we an evangelistic church? Or are we a, a discipleship church? Pastor Bolt just said, hey, we are both. Let's stop the divisions, and let's be an evangelistic discipleship-making church. We want to be a, a church that we want to bring our unchurched friends along and then they want to bring their friends along too. We want to be the church that's the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to show people the love of Jesus through his church. We want to be known for what we stand for, not just what we stand against. We're not here to introduce people to a set of doctrines and beliefs, but to introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ. Now, don't hear me wrong. I think we should fully embrace our doctrines and theology and beliefs. But it does feel like sometimes that we are so focused on getting doctrine in people that we stopped introducing people to Jesus. 
See, Jesus will open up our hearts to his teaching. Make disciples. Go baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And teach people everything I have taught you. Introduce people to me, then teach them. We are here to bring the presence of God to our city. See, courses and programs are not the answer to people's questions. They are a vehicle to take those answers to people, but they are not the answer itself. The presence of God is the answer to people's problems, the answer to people's questions. And where do we find the presence of God? Ephesians 1 verse 23 in the message says this the church you see is not peripheral to the world the world is peripheral to the church too often the church has been sidelined from society and actually it is our job to be front and center and bring society into the church to bring people into the church the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence we the church the church our church is central to God's plan I don't exclude other churches from that I'm loving meeting the pastors from across Saskatoon both Alliance and our Baptist friends and Pentecostal friends I love meeting them and I champion them but we have a mission to outwork here we have a calling we are central to God's plans we speak we, we carry his words of life and of love to the people around us Carl Menninger who was probably the most eminent psychiatrist in the US until he died a few years ago Christian guy said this love cures people both the ones who give it and the ones who receive it what an incredible statement this is from a psychiatrist who understands medicine understands the mind but also understands the love of Jesus love cures people both the ones who give it and the ones who receive it so we speak, we, we carry his words, we speak his words of love, and we act. We act in our community. Man, manager also said, absolutely everyone that is happy, radiantly alive, are living for a cause beyond themselves. Are we so full of our own cause that we've forgotten the cause beyond ourselves? If you read the book Haggai, God, through Haggai, challenges the people of Israel. And this is a whole nother message. But God says to, says to his people, he says, you're building your houses. You're setting them up nicely. You're trying to establish your lives. But what you're finding is that money is slipping through your hands. You can't get the right things at the right time. And you're wondering what's going on. And God says this about four times. Consider your ways now there's nothing wrong with building our lives there's nothing wrong with establishing our careers and our family and everything like that there's everything right with that but not at the expense excuse me of God's house not a church service that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about the body of Christ we the body of Christ gathers on a Sunday we come together and we worship and we come around the word and we're going to take communion in a bit. But are we more focused on building our lives than taking our place in the house of God? And God says over and over again, consider your ways. See, we the church bring the presence of God. Right. I'm not going to go through all of these verses, but 1 Chronicles 16, verse 27, Exodus 33, verse 14, Psalm 16, verse 11, 
Acts 3 verse 19 tells us all the things that happen in the presence of God. There's healing, there's joy, there's honor, there's strength, there's the path of life, there's refreshing. And we, the church, bring the presence of God to our community. Ephesians 1.23, as I said before, is, is why I'm passionate about the church. It's a place to find happiness, which is again what Carl Men- Menninger said. It's not a place to lose ourselves. It's a place for us to find God. Because it's where God is. I know we take God into our workplace and into our families and into our community. But you see, God is here in a different way. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the middle. There's something that happens when we worship together. I, I love being in my car and worshiping. I try not to close my eyes too much. If you see me, duck, move out the way. But you see, when we worship together, not when we sing songs. We don't sing songs. We worship through the singing of songs. God's presence is here. Where his presence is, there's healing, there's fullness of joy. Where God is, lives are changed. There's so much more that I want to say on this subject. And Eliza, can you... Just come and get set up and start playing. I am passionate about the house of God, passionate about church. I think I've said this before. I, I didn't become passionate about church because I became a pastor. I became a pastor because I'm passionate about church. And probably a bit, maybe a bit like Jonah, had run away from that. Not run away from a specific calling, but run away from uh, God wanting to work through me for many years and didn't become a pastor till I was 37. But I loved church a long time before that. We want to make and grow healthy disciples. And that's really essentially just unpacking a bit of what Pastor Bolt said many, many, many years ago. Making, that's about evangelism. It's about going out and, and speaking and acting the good news of Jesus in our world. Not, not the standing on the corners necessarily, but being in our workplace and taking the presence of Jesus into our workplace. And when someone asks or when we get the opportunity, speaking about what God has done in our lives, unpacking our story. Do we know what God has done in our lives? Can you you unpack? Maybe that's where we can help as a a church organization in in helping you unpack that. And maybe we will do that next, in the next season or so. But you don't need a course to do that. You just need to be able to tell people what the love of Jesus has done in your life. What you've experienced maybe in church, because not because we've got some clever singing and some great programs, but because we've got the very presence of God with us. That's the important thing. We'll always be focused on gathering on Sundays. Gathering in smaller groups where we can do life and process life together. We'll always be focused on taking care of us. That's, that's our course. That's how we remain steady in it. But we cannot do any of those without the presence of God. When God said, I'll, I'll establish, he's speaking to Moses, I, you just go on, Moses. You just go on. I'm sick of these people. Imagine God saying that. I have just had enough of circle drive. Up to here. My patience is gone with them. They can go. 
That's what God said about the children of Israel and Moses said. That's not going to happen, God, because if you do not go with us, what will distinguish us from any other people? This is the place where we know and experience the presence of God. It's the place where he speaks and acts, where his presence is felt. It's a place where we will make and grow healthy disciples. What did Jesus say? I will build my church. But he said, I'll build my church so strong that the gates of hell will not overcome it. Judah, Judah, my boy, and I have been watching through um, Lord of the Rings again. We love that. I think this is third or fourth time at least. And we're now in the return of the king. And it got to that bit. And I think we stopped the other day where Aragorn and Gandalf and, and the rest of the, uh, the riders of Rohan are there at the gates of Mordor. These gates are so imposing, so big, so impenetrable, so terrifying. And they stand in front of them. And if you can imagine that, the church standing at those gates and Jesus saying, hey, I have made you so strong. Not of yourselves, not of anything that you have done, but I have built you so strong that these gates very gates of hell cannot withstand the church. See, it's not what's outside that's the problem. The church has become so divided and so divisive among ourselves. Hell doesn't need to come against us anymore. That's why this year I felt God laid on my heart as one. As one. Not just a geographical location. Not just a, ch- a clever slogan, but as one in heart. As one in purpose. To build relationships for good. To connect people to Jesus and each other and purpose and growth. To make and grow healthy disciples. Jesus said again, in this world you will have trouble. There may be trouble ahead. That's what he's saying. There will be trouble ahead. But take heart, I've overcome the world. We've become distracted, immobilized by fear. Fear of a virus. Fear of the question, are we living in end times? Fear of each other. Fear of what the world will think about us. If we do anything that's slightly out of line with what current societal thinking is, we have been immobilized by fear. But Jesus said, I will build my church so strong that the gates of hell itself will not withstand it. We need to get back on course. We need to get moving on course. We need not to to drift off course. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a purpose. He's given us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. A purpose to outwork in his church. Growing up in love. We've had too much noise and not enough music. What have we allowed to distract us from fulfilling God's purpose for us in church? Are we still making and growing healthy disciples? Do we still hold the tension, but the focus of evangelism and discipleship? 
We need to steady our course. Can we grow up in love? As every part does its work. This isn't about attending a church on a Sunday. This is about being equipped. My job as a leader, as the leadership of the church, whether that's a volunteer role, is to equip and train and build everyone for works of service, to outwork that. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Pray, God, that we we won't be distracted by the stuff of life. We won't be distracted by what society says church should be and should do, but we will be focused on what you want us to do. I pray, God, that when we go off course, that you will gently guide us back. Like the good shepherd, your rod and staff will comfort us, but it will also guide us. You will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. You will prepare a table in front of our enemies, a place of celebration instead of a place of fear. I pray, God, that we will steady our heart that we will steady our ship and we will steady our course. Amen. I'd love everyone just to stay in an attitude of prayer just for a few moments. If you're a follower of Christ, can I encourage you to be praying right now? See, I want to speak to three groups of people. First group, you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never experienced the love that he offers. You've never experienced the love and the grace and the forgiveness that is on offer. That he holds out to you right at this moment. I'm going to ask you in a moment. If you want to say yes to Jesus, not to joining a church, but saying yes to Jesus, I'd love for you in a moment just to slip your hand in the air. high so I can see it. There'll be one or two people around that might even point you out to me because I want to pray. I want to pray a prayer with you, and I'd love to know who I'm praying with. But maybe you're here and you've, you've made a decision like this before, but you've gone away. You've allowed the distractions of life, not, not just being distracted, but you've gone out of relationship with Jesus and right now you know you need to say yes to him again or maybe you're a young person in church you've grown up in this environment and right at this moment God is saying this is for you this faith relationship is what I want to establish with you not through your parents not through your caregivers but with you so whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online right at this moment you know you're saying yes to Jesus, yes to his love, yes to his grace, yes to his forgiveness. Jesus says, I forgive your sins, give you life in the present and a hope for your future. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you know that you're saying yes to Jesus, if you're online at this moment, you can hit the raise my hand button and the team there will pray with you. But if you're in this room, you're saying yes to Jesus, what I want you to do is raise your hand up up high so I can see it maybe even give me a bit of a wave saying yes to Jesus and then we're going to pray together if you're a follower of Christ can I encourage you to pray because I'm pretty sure that you're in this room because someone prayed for you saying yes to Jesus okay we're going to we're going to pray together and if you put your hand up or whether you didn't, I don't know at this moment, but I'd love for you to join in this prayer with me. Dear God, I come to you now and I give you my life. Jesus, I thank you for the life that you gave to forgive my sin and welcome me into community. From this moment forward, I am now a follower of Christ. Amen. 
hey, why don't we celebrate any decision that's been made this morning, whether in the room or online. We're going to take communion now. And so communion is one of those things that brings us back to who we are, who we do it for, and what we do. That's what communion is all about. It's not a a ritual. It should be a habit, but it's not just a habit. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, Paul Paul's actually quite harsh with with the church. And he's got some strong things to say to this church in Corinth, and he, he corrects some problems. He's pretty straight with his word. He's like, you know, I've got some good things to say to you, but in this thing, nope. In fact, you're right off the ball with communion. And he goes and he explains what he's talking about. But he says this, and this is again in the message version. It says this, what you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact your words and actions the death of the master. Sorry, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. This is what I want us to think about. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Don't, if you're a follower of Christ right now, don't let what we're doing slip into a place of contempt. But there's, there's a, another problem with that. It's not just contempt. It's actually indifference. We can become indifferent to the value and the solemnity of this meal. It's just something we do, isn't it? It's a ritual in church. No, no, no. This draws us back to who Jesus is, why he came, what he did for us, and how we live our lives. So I'd love for you to take your emblems, just peel off the first one and take out the wafer. And I I love the symbolism of breaking it. Because it symbolizes Jesus' body broken for us. The master Jesus on the night of his betrayal took the bread, having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. So why don't we take that now? After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant, my new promise with you. Every time you drink this cup, remember me. It brings us back to that place of who we are as a church. We are the body of Jesus. Father, I thank you that we have the opportunity to do this in remembrance of you. Do this so that it reminds us of who you are, but also reminds us of our relationship, our importance, our right standing with you. It reminds us of your mission, your purpose, which was to seek and save the lost. And in Corinthians, you remind us that that has now been transferred to us. That mission, that purpose has been handed over. The baton has been handed over to us, your church, to bring the lost, the broken, the prisoner. to you so that you make them whole. I thank you for that, God. Amen. I'd love for the rest of the band to come back now.
If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, whether you're through online or in this room, we'd love to connect with you just for a few moments. We want to put a New Testament in your hand and I guess help you, give some tools to start you on a journey. There's people that will be down here or that actually through in the room, the, uh, the chapel as well, that there's an opportunity for you to be prayed with. If you're online, then you, there's an opportunity again for you guys to be prayed with as well. But you haven't just put a hand in the air in an emotional moment or said a prayer in an emotional moment. You've actually entered into relationship with Jesus. And in doing so, you've entered in relationship with the church not just a Sunday meeting but the church as Christ's body why don't you stand I know it's been a bit different today and I hope you were able to bear with me as I sort of meandered around a bit on my notes But this, this series, Steady, I think, has been, if we can get a hold of it, if we can understand it, steady our hearts, steady our ship, our community, and steady our course, I just believe that it will revolutionize who we are as a church. I've loved doing a bit of research into, into Circle and who we've been and that some of that journey and some of the incredible things that God did in the early days and in the Saskatoon revival as well. And, but I don't believe that the best days are behind us. I believe that the best days are in front of us. There is no reason why revival cannot happen again. There is no reason why the church cannot come alive. There is no reason why we cannot have tens, twenties of hands going up on a Sunday. There is no reason why people day in, day out can outwork the love of Jesus in our community. I'm starting to preach again, I'm sorry. I believe that God has got something significant for us as a church. Team, thank you.